Welcome to A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to My Life. This is the place to be for stories to inspire and uplift when life doesn't go according to our plans. I'm Laura Muirhead, your host and the reigning queen of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to My Life. I can't wait to share the plot twist stories of my guests that will inspire and uplift you when life didn't follow the plan, right here on A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to My Life podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to My Life. I am so happy to welcome today as my guest, Marita Rollenbeck. Welcome, Marita, and come and tell us where you are in the world and what you do. Hi. Well, I want to start with thanking you for giving me this opportunity to speak with you and your guests. Um, I am in the Minneapolis area in like right in the center of the United States. And um, what I do is I typically work with what I call the unhappy, the quietly unhappy woman who uh, on the outside, everything looks perfect. You know, she's got everything that one would think one would want. And yet she's so miserable inside and she just does not know how to uncage herself. Oh, I love this. I love this. Um, I think that there are a lot of women that you must um, really be beneficial to um, doing that type of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I have so many people that resonate with the term quietly unhappy because they are like the people that really it zings. It's like, Oh, is that what I've been feeling? And there's a guilt that comes along with that. You know, like I have, you know, whatever, the great job, the great partner, the great life. I have a house, I have, you know, all the little status quo things. I have all that. Why am I miserable? And they they don't know how how to unravel that. Really interesting, really interesting. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of women probably feel that way because we do try so hard to have all the things. And those are the things that we should be happy when we have all of them, right? Well, that's what society has taught us. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're moving away from that. Thank God, you know, <laughs> we're moving away from living outside the box. But that's how I was raised. You know, you you learn something that uh, will get you the good job or the fallback skill kind of a thing. Um, and of course, you want to get married. And of course, you want to have children. It's just all like written in this code somehow. And it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I think I've really noticed, too, that um, like for my daughter um, and their generation, they're definitely stepping out of that uh, societal, what what has been the societal norm and and stepping away and and doing their own thing and and being okay with it. Yeah, I have a friend. He's um, 22 years younger than me. So he gives me a great perspective because we are so close. And I don't know what I w- what we were talking about, but he he just he looked at me and he goes, "It's the wrong order, right?" <laughs> like, yeah, it's usually all you because know, it's usually like you fall in love, you get married, you do this, you do this, and then you have kids. Well, no, now it's you have kids, and you may not be in love, and then you do all this. You know, it's like it's the wrong order, and it's just the way. It was so nonchalant for him to even have a have a way to say it. <laughs> Exactly. That's so interesting. Yeah. I love that. And, and, and a lot of people are choosing not to have children as well now. And, exactly. and I think we're, we're finally at a point where the, the guilt for that, you know, a lot of people have tried to put a guilt trip on, on people who maybe mm. don't want to have children. And I think that's also subsiding as now. Yeah. Right. right. Well, that's what you do. And I love it. Let's um, talk about your a funny thing happened on the way to my life uh, st- stories experiences that mm-hmm. you've had, and I know you've had more than one. You've had oh, a few. you've had a yeah, couple. I think we all have if we really mm-hmm. like want to look at our stories and our history in a way that you're bringing them to the forefront. Uh, but I really kind of want to talk today about how unexpected death creates. like an unexpected future. And, uh, I had, I had adopted 
it's a longer story. It's actually in my book right here, but I had adopted a mama kitty. Her name was Grace. She was only two. I, and I adopted her baby, one of her kittens. And um, she got sick. She was only two and she got sick and I took her to the clinic and through a whole series of events, she was given three to five weeks to live. And two and a half weeks later, she was gone. And my entire life went from all this important stuff, right? All these things that one has, that's important. It was only on grace. And in fact, the anniversary of her death was just last month. So all of that came up and, um, she kept saying, mama, we're going to write a book, mama, we're going to write a book. And it was like the closer that she came to death, the more, of course, that she really embodied her, her true nature. Um, she, it was like that, that became then we, how do I say that? We could, I could hear her more clearly the, the more she embodied her soul essence as she was dying. And um, it's like, I don't know how to write a book. And we're like, so I wrote this book and I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know how to write a book. And after she died every morning, I had um, a special journal and I had special pens and I had a special little process and I would spend time writing with her. And, um, and eventually then I kind of took all that and pulled it apart and did some other things. And then like here to an editor, you're like, you make sense of this. Like, oh my God, because I was so emotional, right? It was so emotional and so painful that you need that, that person that's so detached that it's not like it's like, they're not human. In fact, she messaged me. She sent me a message, I think last fall and said, um, it's because of you and Grace that I adopted a cat. Oh, how nice. Really a cute story. So um, the whole process with Grace and um, uh, having to, you know, like, what what do you do? There's this this lifeless, almost lifeless body. And I remember um, I worked very, very closely with an animal communicator and through thank God for this woman. But it was like, I got to recognize when grace left her body. If you've ever midwifed somebody to the other side, they, they do this dance, you know, they're here and then like the body's there, but they're not, they, they do this dance as they prepare. And it's a very um, distinct sensation feeling thing. I don't know how to describe it. I get chills just thinking about it. And I noticed that then later with my husband and my ex-husband, um, as he was transitioning the same thing, it was so incredible. So, um, yeah, uh, she had a hard time. She'd been so abused in her previous life before she found me that she had such a hard time trusting and, toward the end, she actually let me hold her. Like, I mean, like I was thrilled to death if I could hold her for 90 seconds. Oh my God, we made it to 90 seconds. Yay. You know? And then uh, we had an episode at uh, on a veterinary hospital where, oh my God, they were so busy. And I think I was there for a two hour wait to get her seen. And then she had to be checked in for two days and all that kind of stuff. But during those two hours, she let me hold her for about an hour and a half of that. And that was like, you know, and I could feel her like she wasn't scared. It was just this, she like sunk into me. It was like a total surrender. Okay, mama. Okay. So (laughs) right. She finally trusted you and just knew that you were there. I feel this is what I feel anyway, is that she was trusting you and and allowing you to help her by at that point. And and probably I would imagine even knew that she, you know, she wasn't feeling well. Um, now for our listeners, tell us the name of your book. What is the, oh, what is um, the name of your book? 
It's called uh, Living with Grace. Because that's her name, Living with Grace. I love the, the, the whole pun throughout the whole book. I mean, not pun, but the double meaning. Um, and the subtitle is A Story of Love and Healing, Leaving Paw Prints on the Heart. And um, it's really, so it, it's a, like a multidimensional book because we are multidimensional beings, but it's, it's her story. It's how, how I found her. Um, it's woven into, um, uh, you know, like her musings on, on uh, really like, I believe she's an ascended master. Her wisdom is like off the charts, crazy wisdom and through the animal communicator. And actually then I started, you know, when she died, I was channeling it like, Whoa, grace, like that ain't me. And then the second part of the book is actually what I call the journey to grace. You know, how do we go from a place of fear, which is where she was, to a place of, you know, embodying grace? Because she literally, she lived into her name. The, um, the rescue lady named her Mama Kitty. <laughs> She, you know, she was this pregnant cat. We were waiting for these kittens. I was waiting for a kitten. That whole story's in the book. But um, she had five kittens and then she was a surrogate to two or three. I can't remember. That's probably in the book. But um, Mama Kitty, like, are you kidding? I heard her story and I was like, no, sure. It's Grace. She was saved by Grace. And then at in the beginning, when she came here, she didn't understand that this was her forever home. This was, and she was being naughty and doing things that were pissing me off. And I was ready to give her back. Like, how do you return a, a living being? I was in this, like, seriously, stop it. I don't want this in my home. And, um, uh, where was I, what was I going to say? Um, oh crap. I lost my train of thought. Okay. How did you get her to, I mean, oh, at what point she, did she calm down and how did you get her to settle in and not do that's a great, things? that's a great thing because she was literally doing, I can't, she was peeing and she was doing all kinds of like naughty, right? Naughty behavior. Naughty, I don't know this. Right? right. And then um, the animal communicator said, well, you do understand this is for your, your forever home and that your new name is grace. And she said, oh, that suits me so well. Oh my God, this is my new home. Like she, just all that you like, it, it did shift her. I mean, the, the trust element was still like um, distant, you know, but um, that right there was a pivot where she started understanding, like, you know, there's a litter box for a reason. And if you don't want to live in that little tiny room with no carpet, <laughs> you better you better start behaving. So yeah, be a good girl and you can come out and play, right? That's right. Oh my gosh. It, that's all in the book too. It's like uh -huh. all the stuff, you know, the antics and all of that. And, but toward the end, yeah, she, uh, we had, which we still do have quite a relationship. And then in fact, I learned that, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who I don't even know what we were talking about. She said, tell me about that cat again. She said, well, you know, that's your, your, that's your cat we were talking about twin flames and she said, well, your twin flame in you, that's great. Grace is your cat. Like your cat, like, Oh my God. <laughs> like what's the probability of that? Right. Finding yeah. your cat. Crazy. Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of animals. Um, I love animals and I've had horses and cats and dogs and bunnies and birds and I was thinking about that the other day, as far as, you know, the energy of us connecting with that, that animal mm -hmm. um, and how, how we end up, you know, choosing that particular animal or finding that animal. And it was really, it was really pronounced for me when I was looking for a show horse, because I looked at a lot of horses, um, gorgeous, beautiful horses. And there were some that I just was like, oh, you know, no, I want that one, you know, based on looks, based on whatever. And um, I had my horse trainer with me for all through all of it. And there were a lot of times when she 
she would ride the horse and say, no, that horse, you're not going to, you're not going to get along with that horse because of whatever, you know, because of however, you know, handling it Mm -hmm. Um, because she knew me well enough and how I rode. But when I found my show horse, I found her Mm -hmm. and, you know, we knew, I I knew pretty quickly that she was going to be the horse for me, but at the same time, you know, you still go through the process of riding her and making sure all the things, but, um, you know, even I love that you're saying this, like for Grace was your, you know, was really your cat, you know, yeah. meant to be yours all along. And whatever her experiences were before her life with you, you know, hopefully her her experience with you also helped heal some of that in her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how long did you have her before she was, you know, ended up sick? Uh, not long. Um, well, she died before she was three, uh, like less than two years. I mean, I mean, crazy small, you know, it's one thing when you got a 16 year old cat that dies, but when you've got a two year old cat that dies and that miserably, you know, that, that, that sick, um, it's really a different experience. It's, it's like, what the hell is what, you know, we don't know. It got to the point where, you know, I spent thousands of dollars at the vet and they want to do all these tests. And and I finally like, you know, is the testing is more poking and prodding. You've told me she has three to five weeks to live. Is it going to extend her life? No. Well, then why would I do that financially? And for like, you know, this cat is not a pincushion. And, you know, if you're curious, <laughs> you'd be curious on somebody else's time, you know? Yeah. So, um, and the same thing goes with humans, you know, do we want to, how badly do we want to know something? Right. Right. Well, and I love that too, because it, that is similar to my philosophy with animals. And I can go back to my show where she ended up sick for several months before she passed away. And, um, you know, we, we took her down. I lived in Illinois at the time. So we took her to U of I, um, who has a great vet school and they're, you know, everybody says, if you're, if you, if you need to take your horse somewhere, take it to U of I. And at least at that time, that was the case. And, um, I had taken her and brought her home and we thought she was doing better. And within a couple of days, I knew she wasn't, I took her back. And luckily at that point, I had a vet that I was able to say, will you tell me when it's enough? When you, will you tell me when, Yeah, when we're not, we're really not doing, we're not, we're not extending her life in any positive way. And luckily I had a vet that, that did that. So I understand what you're saying. And I, I totally with you on the quality of life, you know, yeah, yeah, you don't want them to suffer. And, but I feel like I'm just going to go back a little bit. I feel like with grace, it, she definitely came to you and you, you were definitely meant for each other to tell this story to, so she could get her story out there. And, you know, I was, I was going to ask you if you felt like she was giving you the words when you were journaling, but you already answered that question. And yeah, she clearly was helping you, um, guiding you to write right. this, write your book. Right. And the other thing um, was when I, I mean, it's like a, how far back in the story do you want to go? But when I was, um, when I said I wanted a kitten, this rescue place, um, they called me and said, well, we have a pregnant cat, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. And this is when I really learned that the, there's kid there's kitten season and that these rescue places, they look at these animals as a commodity. And I had agreed that, you know, this, this cat that had that like, well, that was grace. I had agreed, like, I will wait for her to have her kittens. And then I remember I was um, traveling and I got a call from this rescue place from this different person well, we have a cat, you know, and she described this kitten, right? And I'm like, no, I'm waiting on this kitten. Well, what do you, what do you want in a kitten? And, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, I, I'll know it when I know it. And I, and I knew that this mama cat was going to birth my kitten. 
but some people go there and they like, they, they want a certain look or a certain breed or a whatever. And like, I wasn't that at all, you know, and, uh, and grace was really funny. Um, here's a photograph of her. She, um, she had a lilt to her. She was hit by a truck, which is how I ultimately found her. She was hit by a truck and left for dead and blah, blah, blah. All, you know, all this, all these little sequences. Right. So she had one eye and she had this little funny tilt to the head and she had a funny little walk and, you know, she wasn't this perfect specimen that a lot of people, they want this perfect being. And it's like, she was perfect for me. Right. So, um, it's yeah, it's, it's such a fascinating thing when you delve into an area that you know nothing about. It's like I couldn't tell them. I'm I'll know what I I'll know that I know that I know when I know. <laughs> right. So you were really waiting for one of her kittens and then ended up with her as well. Yes, because they had a mommy and me program. It was so fun. It was like, well, if you buy a kitten, you can buy the, you can buy the mama for $25. And I was like, I bought her for $25 and then spent thousands of dollars at the vet. I thought it was a joke, right? I mean, just right. like, who does that? Me. <laughs> hey, it, you know, this is what we do. And, yeah. um, you know, but, and so clearly this experience with grace changed, you know, changed the path of your life. It did uh, very much. Yeah. And can you talk about that a little bit besides, I mean, obviously writing the book, but. Well, what it did, it gave me um, a perspective on death and grief in a way that was like not conceptual, <laughs> you know? Um, and it gave me with grace's wisdom, it just, it just like, um, quantified it. Like it just blew it, blew it up in a bigger way. Um, from a business perspective, it really like, how can I incorporate this work into my overall work, into my overall brand, this concept of grace. And it's, I've made, I think I've made that work really nicely. You know, like grace is one of my pillars of my business. And, um, it, you know, she's just this gentle reminder to give ourselves grace. And one of the things that she said after um, she died in, in January, and then sometime in the summer, I met the animal communicator. We spent a whole day together at my college campus outside. This was way, you know, before COVID, right? And um, we recorded everything and she just channeled everything. Like we, it was just this big fun fest. And one of the things that Grace said was, give yourself some damn grace. She's just so fed up with people who don't give themselves grace that she actually swore, you know, oh give yourself goodness. some damn, and it wasn't like give yourself grace. It was give yourself some damn grace. So she was adamant about that. She very much, like, very really? much. Like you're oh taking God. life too seriously. You know, you're taking it too seriously. Mm-hmm. So you have integrated um, grace, of course, but these things into your, into your work. And, um, have you, what have you found when you, when you've started using that in in what you do and in your business plan? Well, it's, a um, working with people who are going through grief, it's, you know, not just death, but especially I found with COVID, you know, now we've kind of like beaten that horse, like, a lot over these years, but realizing and and coming to terms with the, the grief that came with the change of lifestyle, um, the loss of, um, autonomy almost, right? Like, uh, you, you can't do this. You can all, all these, you can't do this anymore. And that's all, all those letting goes of who you were. And then the bigger thing of, if you look at, the pandemic, um, if you look at it from a, from a higher vantage point, it, it was, and it still is, unfortunately, an opportunity for us to really, um, I call it spinning out, you know, spinning out those aspects of ourselves that they, they're not us, they no longer serve. And, okay, well, who do I want to be then, you know, to really um, embody 
a higher version of ourselves and do it with grace and do it almost with permission. Like the pandemic has given us permission to change, to pivot on purpose. Like I remember, oh my gosh, I was, I was a very, um, um, what's the word? I was teased a lot in school um, from very young, not through high school, but through 10th grade for certain. Um, So pretty much all of it. But I was, uh, I am first generation American. I, English is my second language. I don't look like a lot of the English as second language people or kids in particular look like now. Um, I was, I had fire engine red hair and I was overweight and all of these things con- contributed to, you know, razzing on me. And um, I was looking forward to being done with school. And I remember being so excited about going to a, a, a local college here. Actually, now I live two miles from the college. And because I got to redefine who I was, even at 17, 18 years old, I knew that I could redefine who I was. These people had no idea who I was. Now I could speak English and I wasn't awkward, you know, all of those kinds of things. And um, that, you know, we, we got to, we got, I got to do that. And we all do, you know, as we do whatever, take on a new job or what have you. But um, these last two years, We've all got had the opportunity to do that. If we've taken advantage of it is another thing. Yeah. So to see where we where we have shifted or wanted to shift or, um, yeah, we've all been able to 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 embrace that if if we chose to. Right. Um, but I love the idea that also that when you let, went from high school to college, that you realized even at that age that you were wiping the slate clean you nobody there knew you and you they don't have a history of being in you know second and third grade with you and (laughs) knowing all the things and yeah I I love that you realize that even at that age that you were able to um have a fresh start Mm -hmm. um that that's amazing um Mm -hmm. so tell me I know you have so grace helped you the, your experience with grace helped you um, further on in your, in your life with another, a funny thing happened. Um, <laughs> two for one with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, when I wrote the book, I mean, I did it out of a, like a labor of love. I did it as a, you know, grace mama, we're going to, we're going to write a book. And I had no idea how it, I had no idea what it was going to look like, be like all of where it's going, nothing. And I, I had, I had this like question slash like hypothesis in my mind. Like, I wonder if um, going through the death process with, you know, whatever a parent or some, a human <laughs> um, would be like, if this book could serve that it was just an idea. It was just a notion. And I had a friend of mine um, read it because she, I can't remember now if her mom had just died or if she was in that whole process. And then unfortunately she was like, she didn't want to give a public statement. I don't know what that meant. Um, So I was back to square one, like, okay. And then I found myself, um, I'm divorced and Two years ago, actually, it's two years ago this month. Uh, all of a sudden, my my ex husband, he's like his health is really on edge, and he was always a very, very, I'll call it secretive. He was very slow to, kind of like Grace, actually, just seeing that now, slow to um, share. And, um, so I started, I reeled my, I mean, I was helping him. He didn't drive. So that was one thing. And it was a very icy, icy, icy winter that year. And his whole street was like a damn ice rink. And it's like, I don't want you walking on that. And so I was over there a lot and, uh, long story short, um, I had literally, I'd spent the day there with, I think it was, it was my daughter and her husband. 
and John's brother. And we, I'd, we'd gone to the hospital for tests or what have you. And I had said goodbye. I'd gone uh, to Barnes and Noble. I had a really cool event. It was a, it wasn't a book reading. It was a, like a little workshop that they sponsored for me. I wasn't there five minutes and my daughter calls and says, you have to meet me at the hospital ER one, like the doctor called and wants them in ER. Oh, so then I'm bawling. <laughs> I'm apologizing to these people that I have no, you know, and then we went like three weeks later, we went into lockdown. So it was like, I don't, I don't know what that was, what, whatever. But anyway, so uh, I meet him at the hospital and um, he never came out. Five days later, he was dead. Oh my goodness. And um, so, yeah, it was pretty crazy as he is in this process. It was just like grace. It was just like grace. It was, it was so, it was like, and I remember giving away to, do you think I know who I gave the books to? No, I gave two copies of my books away to people on the staff. (laughs) You know, I don't know who they were. And then we went into pandemic, so I can't go there all casually. Like, you know, who was it that helped me? I don't know. But um, yeah, it's, um, and with John, it was really interesting because we had, clearly if we're divorced, we had issues, right? We had issues that were not, we couldn't get past them. And while, while he was in ER waiting for whatever we were waiting for, was just my daughter and he and I, and all of us. And I had the presence of mind to take my phone and record it. I set record and I put it on his chest and he started sharing deep, dark, dark, dark family secrets. And my daughter and I are like, and we're looking at each other. We're looking at him. We're lo- what? I, I two years later, I'm still like this. Like never, he would have never ever. I mean, you didn't obviously didn't know any of that no, before that day. You didn't know any of it. And in an instant, I mean, like in a faster than that, it was like all of the lights went on in the stadium, and I saw the woundedness. goodness yeah I saw the woundedness yeah and how and I still to this day every once in a while it's probably when he comes in like to be a shadow you know and I'm like what kind of a life could we have had if you had shared this because it was so healing it wasn't it wasn't him it was the abuse he had endured through his childhood that created the patterns within him. Like he had this pattern of, he loved to read. In fact, he had books in the, he he didn't have a book, but he had a, what are those called? A Kindle thingy. Mm -hmm. And he had it in the hospital. He was still reading a few days before he died. He loved to read and his dad was mean. And so he developed this habit of reading like in the night, if picture these kids, you know, with the sheets over <laughs> and um, it got to the point where it was like, John, if you're not in bed by 2 a.m., you can't come to bed because you wake me up and then I'm awake. And it was like, that's where that habit came from was because it was safe to read at night when his dad was asleep, things like that. And it was like, oh my God. Now, did you know, did you have an idea that his dad was mean before that? Had he ever even shared a little bit of a, like, yeah, my dad wasn't the nicest guy or. No, he was, um, he always called, it's very interesting. He called his dad father. He never called him dad or daddy or anything like that. It was father, but he also called his mother, mother. Hardly ever do I remember him saying mom, but his mother they had a very special bond because he, he was a firstborn and um, they had a special bond because of course, as a mother, you're a mother, right? You protect your young and you got this man who's being an ass. 
So very, you know, very mother hennish. They had a very special bond, but um, he, his dad was harsh. I will say he was harsh. Interestingly, and I still have the quote, um, we were, this was still an ER. And I still have the quote in my reminders where he said to me on 219 of 2020, he said, he didn't dislike you as much as you think when I said something about his dad and I never really talked about him, you know, like what a jerk, you know, I never talked about him like that at all, but I said something up. I probably said he didn't like me. And that's when he said he didn't dislike you as much as you think, which was like, Oh, okay. And so much. So I have it in my book. Right. Um, my daughter never liked him. In fact, she didn't want to go to the funeral at all. And I said, well, mm-hmm. you can, you have to go to the funeral or the wake you pick. I'll go with. Out of not not for him, but for your dad, you have to, and that's how we dealt with that. So no, he wasn't. Um, I he was harsh. I'll just he had a harsh edge to him. Interesting, and I I, I want to go back to, you know, your ex husband saying all these things, and I mean, what a release for him! Like finally, yes. like you're saying, it wouldn't it have been incredible? And I think you know, I'm thinking of people that I know, or even some of my own experiences where we've held onto those things and either shame or guilt or whatever it is. And it might not even be shame or guilt. It might just be not wanting to share your story for whatever reason that is, is ends up dragging you down. And if we, and I can only imagine that he was, you know, John was finally at a place where, what a release for him yeah. Yeah. to be able to share it, especially with probably two of the people that are closest to him and, you know, were closest to him in the world, even though you were divorced, you know, yeah. still like who else did he have that was that close to him and to share, finally feel like he could share that story and those experiences and, and, and be able to let it go, like, let it go. Right. It was part of the healing process for him. Um, I was working, I had been working with a healer quite regularly on um, some I have a brain injury on some brain stuff. And he would bring in John, you know, he'd bring up, he's very, very psychic intuitive and he'd bring up John every now and again. And, um, and after he died, he said, John had made so many, uh, I'm not sure if he used the word poor, but he'd made so many decisions that were not the best that um, the only way for him, the only way for him to heal was actually to let go and die. This is the only way for him to heal. And so I would, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine, cause it was like, we we're Elizabeth and I are looking at each other like, what the, what, where did that come from? You know, where did that come from? Right. Um, so it was almost like it, uh, his soul just made the decision. You've got to share this because I immediate, I mean, not immediately, but you know, in those moments right then, I remember just stroking his leg and looking at, you know, Elizabeth, John, you know, doing this thing and going, you know what this is, John, right? And this is forgiveness. And Elizabeth was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, it's in a, in a nano, nano instant, it was all forgiven. And then you get that, then you have like that forgiveness, but then the, the remorse, the regret, like the, oh shit, what could this, what could we have had if we had known this, you know, if we had known just that one piece of information, everything would have changed. Do you feel, do you sense that from, from being there with him, do you sense that he maybe felt that way also maybe thought that way as well? That we could have had something better. You mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. I will tell you that after he died, I connected with a medium who does ancestral work. And one of the things that she said, and I, Oh my gosh, he said, marrying you was the best thing I ever did. And I did it in the worst possible way. Now, why, you know, that you add that to this, this divulging of the secret and you're like, holy Hannah, can you imagine if he had been, um, an empowered, you know, self-confident individual, 
what kind of a stellar life we would have had. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also think on that level too, and and again, like I'm saying, I'm thinking of some, you know, some people that I know that are holding on to things as well, that um, what kind of possibly sharing their, those experiences with some, with people, the healing that it could lead for them as well, you know, for, for even maybe people that you don't know, like, for example, for you writing this book about grace mm-hmm. um, with grace's help and, and the experiences that you had, or even sharing them here, hopefully there'll be people who, who are touched by it and maybe can see something in their lives that they can say, Oh, um, this makes sense now, or maybe give them courage to take a certain step in a certain direction. And, you know, those things, I, I frequently feel that sharing those experiences can be helpful to other people, inspiring to other people that you don't, you don't know. And besides, you know, besides healing yourself, there are people that maybe had similar experiences. And I, I feel the same way, even about this, especially with you and your, and sharing your experiences with grief and death, that there are so many people that haven't had, have, have experienced death and grief in a different way. Right. That isn't necessarily, I don't, I don't want to say a positive thing, but you, you know, it can be better than, than what they think or what they feel or people who hang on to that mm-hmm. and just want to, and, and end up sitting in their grief and stuck, maybe even stuck in their grief. I, I don't know if I'm saying this the right way, but I think, you know, what I'm, what I'm trying to say that, that there's a different, you clearly had two um, midlife, you know, transition, yeah. transitioning experiences that are incredible. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're both very, they're very different yet very similar and both very powerful and um, quite quite an honor. I, uh, I had everybody that came into that hospital room. They, they commented on how, how like sacred the space felt. And I'm really good at creating a sacred space. You know, I don't, I don't need like a to do, or, you know, I, I know an organization that defines a sacred space looks like this. And it's like, yeah, that's bullshit. You know, you can create sacred space anywhere. And um, I brought my diffuser in and had essential oils and I did not have the fluorescent lights on. And, you know, it just was, it was just, it wasn't about anybody except him. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And I know I, I haven't been with any being, any live person or animal when they've transitioned, but I, you know, of course have experienced grief and death. And as I've gotten older and had different experiences, I also see it in a different way. I see it, you know, in more of a transition, more of they're still here with us. If you know, their, they, their body, of course they've left their, their human bodies, but, Mm -hmm. um, and so there are times when I actually haven't been sad when someone close to me has passed away mm-hmm. because of their, um, their health at the time, you know, right. they, you know, similar to grace where the, the doctors did everything they could and they, they're not getting anywhere. They're not curing or, or contributing to their well being in any way not really extending their life even, I mean, maybe extending their life, but a measure, you know, a miserable hurting life at that point. Right. So I've been, I just have a different view on it because of that. Yes. You know, for the, the person, the people that I'm, the person I'm thinking of, if she was still here in her well being, I would love to have her here. Of course. Right. Exactly. That that's what we miss, right? We don't miss the, the, the person that's, bedridden and can't fend for themselves or can't feed themselves or can't even get up and go to the, to the toilet by themselves. Um, we, we miss, we, we miss the person and how they were with us. Like 
when my mother, my parents, I'm in Minnesota and my parents lived in Florida. And honestly, my mother, she, well, that's another interesting story, but um, by the, honestly, when, when I got the call that she died last night, it was like, thank you, Jesus, because she had been so sick for so many years and she had dementia. And so if you've ever, you know, if you ever know about dementia or Alzheimer's, you grieve, you grieve while they're alive. You let that go over time as they, as they diminish in their ability to communicate And then by the time they're dead, you're like, thank you, God, because it's like they're out of their misery, you know? Yeah. That's how it was with mom. That's how I felt about, um, this was actually my cousin who, that I'm, that I'm referring to who had, uh, cancer Mm. and she had, um, they had treated it and, and, you know, for several years and it was, you know, a bit of a roller coaster you know, no, I'm good. And then it came back and I had seen her a few weeks before she actually passed away. And definitely, you know, seeing somebody, uh, seeing her in, in that much pain. And it just, for me, what the same thing, when I, when she passed away, I knew she was out of pain and, Again, if if they were going to cure her, if they were even going to get her to a point where she was better, yes, please. But, you know, it wasn't the case. So to me, I feel like it's almost a blessing yeah. for them to be out of pain. And um, for and, everybody, and I, you know, for everybody, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard, you know, it's hard on us. Yeah, it was hard for the people who were taking care of her, which were, you know, a lot of it fell on her parents and um, she was an only child. So, you know, for them, of course it was very difficult and still is. Um, But I just see it. I just see it in a different way. And even at her services, I, I didn't cry. And I don't mean that I'm not, yes, I would love for her to be here. It's not that I, you know, it was, it's just a different, it's just a different vantage point to me that I, I see it in a different way. Well, because we understand that they're they're they've released their body and now they're they're all light, you know, they're all they're free. They're free. Yeah. I think it's just so interesting that um for you that Grace definitely was, I feel like listening to your story, that Grace was there to help you when John you know, ended up being so sick and, and transitioning as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a different, you know, prepared you. She did. Yeah, that she did. It it was so, so similar, so similar very much. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, and I, I love that you were able to write this book with grace and, and able to, incorporate these things in the work that you do and you know all the experiences that you have this definitely has changed your your viewpoint on things and your path in life a bit mm-hmm. that it has yeah it has yeah well um why let's just um I'm not thinking of any other questions for you um so maybe this is a good place to to start to wrap up and unless you have anything else that you would like to share with our listeners. I mean, we've gone really deep today. I feel like in a lot of, but good information. I I do feel like there are so many people that experience, you know, even, you know, sudden death Mm -hmm. uh, with, with their loved ones and, there's so many ways to heal from that. And you definitely um, have put out into the world information to help, to help people with this experience. Yes. Yes. Um, I would like to mention I uh, what from the book, of course, it's very budget friendly. Um, I have pulled out what I call grace notes and I've made a beautiful um, free gift for people. It's called Grace Notes with Grace, and it's just a a downloadable PDF with 
I believe it's 30, 30 quotes from, um, from Grace, from the book that uh, are very empowering and you can use them as like a meditative prompt or uh, a journaling prompt or just something, you know, um, when, when you're, when you need a hit of grace, right. When you need to hit a grace, read a grace note. So if you want to put that in the show notes or however that all works um, that I'd like to offer that to people. Cause it's a great, it's a great resource. If you're struggling with, uh, grief, or if you'd like, if you just need a hit of grace. I love that. I love that. That's really um, so nice. It's, it sounds lovely. Is that on a website where, where I will put it in the show notes, but where is that in your website or? Uh, yes, it's on my, my site, but it has its own domain of uh, grace notes with grace.com. Okay. Beautiful. Grace notes yeah. with grace.com. It takes you right there and um, you can access it there. Yeah, we'll definitely put it in the show notes. So um, besides besides that website, you also have, you know, just share where people can find you, Facebook, Instagram, website, all those things. Yeah, um, well, I, I of course, I have a website. Um, it's har- harmonicholeness.com. Um, Grace, she's you can find Grace there too, but Grace, livingwithgracethebook.com takes you right to the book. Um. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on YouTube. Um, of course, Facebook. I'm starting to get back onto Twitter. Twitter is sort of a, an odd animal. <laughs> so that's for sure. But um, yeah, and all of those will be in the show notes. But for our listeners, that I wanted to have that, you know, have them available as well um, to talk about it. And then um, I just am so really grateful and honored for our conversation that we've had today. And I really appreciate you coming um, on a funny thing happened on the way to my life to share your incredible stories with us and with the, with my listeners. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and actually John and Grace do too. Because it's part, and I will tell you that um, I have never shared John's story. This is the first time I've actually shared it in a public forum, if you will, where um, people I really don't know are going to access it. So, and interestingly, it's two months, uh, two years ago this month that that this whole trauma happened. So there, I don't know what that means, but um, I'm taking it as some kind of a significant sign that okay, after two years now, you can start talking about it. It's not that I haven't not talked about it on purpose, but you know, it's, it's still vulnerable, you know, it's still very, very raw. Sure. And I, I'm again, thank you and feel very honored that, that you and John were, were yeah. open to sharing that <laughs> with, us, with me and my listeners today. Yes. Yes. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you all for listening to a funny thing happened on the way to my life, my episode with Marita Rallenbeck. Thank you. Thank you for listening to A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to My Life podcast. For more information, visit my website at www.lauramirhead.com.